Amen. <clears throat> I kept misreading all of those lyrics. <laughs> all right, we're open to Romans chapter 11 tonight. <clears throat> Romans chapter 11, continuing, going through the book of Romans verse by verse. And today we begin chapter 11, which is the last chapter of this section where Paul makes his parenthetical statements about Israel. In chapter 11, Paul talks about Israel's calloused hearts, uh, but not all of Israel is calloused. There is a remnant, and we're going to learn about that tonight. Let's read verses 1 through 10 together, Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, it's Judah, of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Watch ye not, or know ye not, that what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and digged down thine altars, and I left alone. I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men, who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, for but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they shall see not, and ears that they should hear not hear unto this day. And David said, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. We're going to look at these verses tonight here, and he's talking about Israel having a calloused heart. We're going to continue that idea through uh, the book, uh, chapter of 11 of Romans here, uh, but not all of Israel is calloused. There is a remnant, and so therefore God is not done with Israel. And God's desire has always been to save the entire world, that all men would come to redemption. But because of the rejection of a whole line of Adam, uh, God chose Israel. Uh, it came to a point when not all of Israel followed after God. They rejected God's plan through the Messiah. And so God had a remnant, a few that believed, the apostles and the disciples. And through these few, the church was built. And then through the church, we are to reach the entire world. And Israel was disobedient. And they were gripped by stubborn unbelief. Romans 10, 21, the chapter just previous, last verse of that chapter he says, but to Israel he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gang-saying people. The nation as a whole did not believe or obey God. John 1.11 says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. And how can this be reconciled with the fact that Israel was God's chosen people? <clears throat> this section of Romans can be boiled down to one statement. And God has not rejected his chosen people, but not all people are chosen. Uh, I'd say that again. God has not rejected his chosen people, but not all people are chosen. Uh, Romans 11.1, 1, Paul asked the question here, 
I say then, hath God cast away his people? What people? He's talking about Israel. The word cast away means to be pushed away, to be repelled. The idea is a total and final casting away. Is God done with the nation of Israel because of their overall rejection? Paul's answer to this is an absolute not. God forbid. I say that hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Absolutely not. You can hear the heart of God when Jesus came to earth. His heart was torn for his people. Luke 13, 34, he cries out and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And you would not. Jesus lamented the fact that Israel would not hear. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You can hear it in his voice. And Israel would not hear. They would not believe. And can you hear the heart of God? No, God loves Israel. He does not reject them as a whole. In verse Samuel 12, 20 through 22, the Bible says, Samuel said unto the people, <clears throat> Fear not. I just messed that up. Let me see if I can go back around to verse number 20. There we go. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside. For then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. He says, the, uh, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. No, God is not done with Israel, but not all of Israel will come to Christ. Paul, in the first ten verses of this chapter, begins to offer a series of five proofs that prove God is not done with the nation of Israel. First of all, the first proof he gives is Paul himself as a proof. Paul himself was part of the remnant. He says in verse number one, I say then hath God cast away his people? He says, God forbid. He gives this as an offer now. For I also am an Israelite. The seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What or know ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel. Saying, we'll stop there for just a minute. Uh, he is, Paul is an Israel and he puts him forth, himself forth as a proof that God is not done with Israel as a whole. Uh, he is an Israelite, a seed of Abraham, uh, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. Again, God cannot be done with Israel as a whole because Paul himself is an Israelite. And Paul's not done with him. He's using him. And those who are proponents of saying that God is done with Israel usually have an agenda. Uh, for instance, those who claim the inheritors, uh, that they are the inheritors of all the blessings that were given to Israel, want to transfer what God has promised Israel over to themselves, whatever group they're with at the time. But Paul says God cannot be done with Israel because God is not done with him. And he is an, Israel, an Israeli. Uh, Paul may be one of the most vocal proponents of Christianity and reaching the Gentiles of his day, but he's still an Israelite. And God's relationship with Israel as a nation continues. He has a plan for them. And uh, as his plan continues... Uh, However, not all Israelites will come to him, will be a part of him. We'll look at that in a minute a little bit further. But the second proof he offers here is God's foreknowledge. God's own foreknowledge is proof. 
He said in verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. God foreknew that there would be a remnant in Israel that would come to Jesus. And Paul was one of those. A while back we looked at Romans chapter 8 and we saw these verses in Romans chapter 8 verses 28 through 30. It says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And those who God foreknew, means to perceive or recognize beforehand, to know previously to. Those whom God would see, Paul, the other disciples, the apostles, he, would, he saw that they would trust in Christ. And so God could not reject Israel as a whole because God foresaw that there would be some who would not reject him. What God foresees cannot be changed. Uh, what he foresees as has happening will happen. And God has not rejected his chosen people, uh, but not all people are chosen. And so Paul himself is a proof that God has not rejected Israel as a whole, but because he himself is a Jew, God's foreknowledge is a proof that God has not rejected Israel. God in his perfect, errorless foresight saw that he would not be done with Israel. Why? Because number three, God's prophet foresaw a remnant. God's prophet foresaw a remnant. Verse number two and three and four it says, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Know ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? He says, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. <coughs> Elijah foresaw the remnant. Now this comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. <coughs> Elijah had a great victory over the prophets of Baal. 850 prophets of Baal were killed by the people of Israel at the command of Elijah. And King Ahab came and home and told his wife what had happened, and she vowed to kill Elijah. Elijah ran for his life, and he finally finds rest under a juniper tree, the Bible tells us, and asked God just to kill him. And an angel ministered to him and fed him. And he finds a sanctuary in a cave where the word of the Lord came to him and spoke to him. And 1 Kings 19 verse 10 says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, Elijah speaking, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand unto the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance, entering of the cave. 
And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nimshi shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room and in thy stead. And it came to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And so he departed thence, and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxygen, uh, oxygen of oxen before him. It's amazing what my brain puts out sometimes. Uh, of oxen before him, and we, he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Here Elijah had the feeling he was all alone, but God had a plan, didn't he? Sometimes it feels like we're alone, doesn't it? But we're not. God has a remnant. Paul now uses this as the highest authority of proof through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says that though all seem to reject, Israel as a whole seems to reject, God still keeps a remnant. The vast majority of people in Elijah's day, Elijah's day, in Paul's day, and even in our day are rejecting God, but there was a remnant, and there still is. A few who are loyal and obedient to God. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Many of those from the remnant from times past are in that great cloud of witnesses. Many of those in Paul's day are in that great cloud of witnesses. Of that remnant. And we have added some of our own. Now, Ron Hamilton is now in that group, wrote many of the songs in our hymn book here. And Clint Cavanis just recently died, my youth pastor when I was a teenager, just recently died. Bob Garner has been added to that great cloud of witnesses. They have run the race before them. And now the call is for us to run our race. Keep going. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're alone, just keep doing what you know is right. God showed his prophet that there will always be a remnant. You're not going to be alone. Put the weights down and just follow Christ. God has not rejected all of Israel, even though a great number had rejected him. But he had a plan. A plan that involved the Gentiles. And praise the Lord for that, amen? A plan to win the whole world to himself. And that plan involved a remnant of Jews doing the work to reach the world. and Spreading the gospel to all the places across the world. And Paul was proof that God was not done with Israel. He was a Jew. God's foreknowledge was proof he, that he was not done with Israel. What God foreknows must come to pass. 
God's prophet's foreknowledge was proof that he was not done with Israel. And there would be a remnant that would stay true to God. Then the fourth proof that Paul gives then is the remnant today, at least in his time, is talking about his day. But it's true for us today still. The remnant today is proof. Verse 5, it says, Even so then, at this present time, also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. God, Paul uses the illustration of Elijah and those 7,000 that have not fallen and knelt before Baal. And he uses that as an illustration by the inspiration of God to show we are not alone. We just need to stay faithful to what God has called us to do. And it's a strong statement from Paul. There is a remnant. <laughs> no doubt. <coughs> it's definite. In Paul's day, there was a remnant. And the same true is true for today. The vast majority of this world around us, even the churches across this world, have turned from the truth of God's word. But there is a remnant. If you haven't read the book, The Trail of Blood, I would highly recommend it. It's not a biblical account of the church history, uh, but it is, it's good to piece together uh, a trail of truth-believing churches and Christians. It's a small little book, and it contains five lectures from a Southern Baptist preacher in 1931. It gives the history of Baptist churches uh, and uh, presents a succession of believers who held to the truth of the Word of God from the first Christians all the way to the modern day. And they were not always called Baptists, not saying that we have Baptists all the way from Christ and all the way from John the Baptist. I don't know, how does that work? But no, that's not what we're saying. They weren't always called Baptists. Uh, but like many of the Baptists today, we see a trail of blood, those who were martyred for the truth of God all the way through church history. I highly recommend every Christian read this little booklet. And it can be found on Amazon for just a few dollars, and I think you can get it for Kindle for just 99 cents. Uh, you can get it from other places as well. But our Christian heritage is being re rewritten by many even Baptist institutes of education. By many of our seminaries that Baptist pastors are going to are rewriting education, our, our history and church history. They're starting to call ourselves uh, Protestant denominations that began in Europe during the Reformation. Uh, but we trace our truth, uh, the word of God and what we believe all the way through from history. We weren't part of the, church, the, the Catholic Church. And many people accept this new history just as they do many of the modern history books in our schools today. And this book shows how when the majority of what was known as Christianity veered off the path of the truth and began to create false theologies. In fact, this chart is in the book. I don't expect that you'll be able to read that, but the top portion where it forks is the, uh, the Catholic Church and uh, branches off from Roman Catholic to Greek Catholic. But as you, can see, as you see, as you look closer at it, uh, they begin to, to put in false theologies through time. And as a false theology is taught, there's a section down at the bottom where uh, Christians stuck to the word of God as the truth. And again, they weren't always bad, called Baptists. And by the way, we didn't always agree with everything that they taught. <laughs> but they preached the truth and how they interpreted some of the things uh, may not completely 100% line up with what we're teaching, but it was salvation by the gospel, not according to works. And our Christian heritage uh, 
uh, is something we need to know about and we need to understand. When false theology started being put in, like infant baptism and indulgences and purgatory and transubstantiation and saints and image worship, during all of those times throughout the centuries, those things were added to the false church, heretical church. There was a series of Christians from age to age, known by different names, sometimes Waldensians, sometimes Anabaptists, later Baptists, rebaptizers, and other names altogether. And these Christians throughout the ages held to the truth outside of the Catholic Church or even Reformed churches. Even still today, as Baptists across this nation begin to cling to false theology and reject the truth of the Word of God, begin to reject that the Word of God was truly inspired, begin to reject the truth of sanctity of life, begin to reject the truth of God's design for male and female, begin to reject the truth of the sanctity of marriage, begin to reject many other areas of biblical truth and theology. Many modern-day Baptists are very little from the world around them. But God's Word still commands us, and like 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, the Bible says. It's frozen up on me, so if you want to click out of that, then we'll see what happens. But we, as the remnant, cling to the truth of God's word and God's word alone. Sola Scriptura, that was a cry of the Reformation. But they didn't, fall for, they didn't hold to the word of God alone enough. They still brought over some of the things like infant baptism and other things. And if we're going to be solely Scripture and let this be our truth and nothing else, then we need to really live that way, amen, and be fully that way. And the Word of God is where we get our truth. Not man's opinions, not popular belief, not denominational decisions, or anything outside of God's revealed Word of God. That's where we need to get our truth. In Paul's day, the remnant of Israel spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And God was not done with Israel. Paul put forth as his proof here again, he himself was a Jew and God was using him. The, God's foreknowledge required that God not be done with Israel because he foresaw that these would accept Christ as the Savior and they were Jews, they were Israeli. He saw that his prophets for knowledge of the remnant showed God was not done with Israel. And then fourthly, even today, the remnant remains as a testimony that God has, has a plan. He has a purpose that involves Israel. God's not done. And then number five, the fifth proof that he offers here is God's grace assures a remnant. God's grace assures a remnant. Verse six, the Bible says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then, it, it, then, it, then is it no more grace. Otherwise, works is no more works. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Causing as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Verse 10, he says, Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. 
A person is not saved because they have earned salvation. It is by grace. He spent ten chapters reiterating it in a hundred different ways. Salvation is by grace, not by works, not by the law. No man deserves God's grace either by works nor by heritage. But just because you cannot be saved by uh, being an Israelite doesn't mean that God is done with Israel. Amen? People take this idea that uh, you can't be saved because you're an Israelite and go to an extreme and say, well, God's done with Israel then. No, God's grace is sufficient. Anyone who will receive him may receive him. And God has a plan for Israel for the end times. And God, by his grace, has given us salvation. Just as those who remain faithful in Israel were saved by faith, so we too, if we will be trust in him by faith, we will be saved as well. Therefore, God will always see to it that there's a remnant of believers in Israel. The vast majority have fallen at the snare of works. Verse 6, again, it says, And if grace, there is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's either work, works, or it's grace. It can't be both. If it's grace, then it can't be works. If it's works, which we've already found out isn't good enough, then it can't be grace. But we know that works cannot do it, so all grace is the only option. But the callous on Israel's heart is not total, is not complete. There are some who will hear the truth. So Paul asks in verse number 7, what then? What do we do with this then? This information that we have, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. He's reiterating, reiterating what he's already spoken. Israel pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, but failed to reach it, or even keep up with the law in the first place. They failed to reach God's righteousness. They have fallen short of the righteousness of God. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 7 continues then. And he says, But the election hath attained it, and the rest were blinded. Those who had come to God by faith in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, those who had been foreseen by God, those who had been chosen by God, those who had been called by God, they obtained the righteousness by their faith in Christ, not by obeying the law. We saw this in Romans 9, verse 30, where he says, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles, which follow not after righteousness, hath attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? Uh, they didn't obtain it by works, they obtained it by faith. The rest, the election, hath obtained it. The rest were blinded. Their hearts were hardened. He says that God has hardened most Israelites for a specific purpose. In chapter 9 of Romans dealt with this idea of hardened hearts. We saw when we looked at, uh, at uh, Romans 9, where Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and multiple attempts of God to get a hold of him, he hardened his heart and hardened his heart and hardened his heart. And then finally the sixth time, the Bible changes its language and says, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Once it was obvious that he would not hear, that he would not turn, that he would not believe, God hardened his heart. And Paul continues in verse 8 and 9, he says, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. 
eyes that could not see and ears that should not, they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. The picture of nine, verse 9 is a, that of men sitting and feasting comfortably at a banquet table. They are at ease. They're secure. They possess a sense of safety. In fact, they are so comfortable that their safety becomes their ruin. It becomes their snare. It becomes their own trap. The enemy sneaks up upon them unaware. And verse 10 says, let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. Some say that Scripture is saying that God has blinded them. However, Scripture says in James 1.13, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. This means that, first of all, the unbeliever's rejection is willful. Their rejection was willful. We saw earlier in the study on Romans how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. I just mentioned just a minute ago, only after Pharaoh had hardened his own heart, he had, been given, he had given him over to a reprobate mind, if you will. People get engrossed in this world around them and so engrossed that they don't hear the truth of God. They do not want to see the truth. And Jesus said, Matthew 13, 15, for the, this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. He says they have, they have closed their own ears. They have closed their own eyes because they know if they hear it, they'll believe. He says that their heart has waxed gross. It literally means to have grown fat. They have indulged in the things of this world to the point to where they cannot hear the truth. And their sensuality is overrun by the lust for the things of this world. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the Spirit are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Their blindness, or having grown fat, is due to not only their choosing, but it's also part, partly to a deception from Satan. Second Corinthians 4, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, who is it talking about? It's talking about Satan. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. By willful choice they have rejected Christ. By following after the things that they should not follow after. And so therefore, because they have rejected God, God has rejected them. And because they have rejected the truth, God rejects them. Romans 1.24, he says, Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. A couple verses later, he says in verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto their file affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. 
Over and over, God talks about this progression, this idea of refusing to hear, and God gives them over. They refused to hear, and God gave them to their vile affections. They refused to hear and keep God's, the knowledge of God in their minds, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God told us in Genesis 6-3, just before the flood, he said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And I believe he's looking at the world around us and he's saying the same thing. I believe God is withholding, waiting for the day for the Lord to come and get his church until everyone that will hear, everyone that will accept him, accepts him. He's gracious. He's loving. He's not willing that anybody perish. But there's going to come a point when all of those that will hear have heard. And God will come and get his own. Even though God has rejected the unbelievers of the nation of Israel, he has not forsaken them as a nation. He's not done with them. He hasn't cast them out. He knows that a remnant still remains that believe. It appears that one day all of those in Israel were turned to Christ. And perhaps when they see Christ himself, when the Bible says in verse 25 of this chapter, and we'll get to that later, but... He says, when the fullness of the Gentiles become, verse 26 says, all Israel shall be saved. This, I believe, is dealing with the Israelites at that time. All of those in Israel. We look, we'll look at those verses in more depth in coming days. But this doesn't mean that all Israelites of all ages will be saved. No, it can't mean that. Back in chapter 9, verse 6, he says, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. He says, not all of those that are in Israel are part of what we're talking about, the children that are going to be accepted by Christ, that are, have accepted Christ. And if you remember, he was saying there, not all of them who are nationalistically of Israel were Israel's part of Israel's blessing, or in other words, will be saved. The callous on Israel's heart is not total, not complete. There is a remnant. In the coming weeks, we're going to continue looking at the callous on Israel's heart. And we'll see that the callous is not final. There will be a restoration. One day, we'll see a revival in Israel. Amen? And the callous, we'll also see as a warning to all other nations. Not to reject him. Not to refuse him but to hear. But until then, let us learn from Israel's history. Amen. It's been said that the one thing that man learns from history is that man does not learn from history. <laughs> we're, sometimes they say we're doomed to repeat it. <clears throat> May that not be the case in our case. Amen. May we yield to the truth of God, stay faithful to our walk with God, and continue to tell the gospel of God. Amen. Be faithful. I appreciate the work of people like the, the friends of Israel who are doing work to reach the Jews in this day and age and try to get the gospel to them. It's a hard job. But we just keep praying for them, amen, that each and every one will be saved. And just keep praying and keep reaching and keep being a witness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and for what we've learned. And we've only taken a part of this last chapter here of this section dealing with Israel. 
And uh, pray that you would bless us, Lord, as we continue our study and help us to have uh, ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your word. Help us to rightly divide, I pray. I pray that you bless us now tonight as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe. Bring us back together to worship you on Wednesday and next Sunday as well. Help us, Lord, on next Sunday as we have the Kids for Christ Awards program and the fifth Sunday sing combination there. Help us to have a great time of fellowship together and uh, just have a great time uh, and with the visitors of the parents of the Kids for Christ and everything. May uh, we have a blessed time of fellowship there. I pray that you guide and direct all that we do. Be with us, I pray, Lord, and help us to be stay faithful to walking with you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. You are dismissed. We will see you later.